What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, Uber Lyft driver and gig economy news. Sponsored by Middleton Technologies Maximo. I'm your host, SJ, and it's time to get it on. Howdy, 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 everybody, and welcome back to another week of Rideshare Rodeo. So, um, yesterday on the YouTube channel, I put out a video kind of breaking down uh, what the Rideshare Rodeo schedule looks like and Uber Lyft drivers. So, I'm just going to run it down real quick. So, UberLiftDrivers.com, you guys, uh, posts news daily on there. So, check it out, UberLiftDrivers.com. Um, all and it's again it's not rideshare oriented it's gig economy oriented it's gig economy news check it out uh as far as the podcast goes so here's the way it is going um tuesday is the original the og of podcasts that is the podcast that i've never missed a tuesday drop so tuesday will remain the same tuesday will always be a podcast drop in the morning um and then on Friday in the morning, there will be another one. That's going to be the second podcast uh, of the week. So um, that's going to run for a little while. I don't know if that'll be forever. Tuesday will be forever. Tuesday's forever. That one stays. Um, sometimes I bring in these extra ones for a bit. And they're not. I'm not going to call them bonus casting works right now. I'm doing it based on something else I'm doing with roundtables. So it's... Uh, um, it's just a second podcast in the week, and it's at least going to be going for the next, uh, this month, next, probably May. Um, and then on Thursday nights, we do the roundtable live on YouTube, and you're always welcome to join us, and please do. Uh, come on in, find Rideshare Rodeo on YouTube, and uh, join in the live chat. We address everything. Um, we'll address your questions. Come over, say hello, hit like, hit subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, and then Tuesday, uh, there will probably be a short YouTube piece that goes up. And then Sunday, this is the new piece. Uh, Sunday, there will be a 15 minute news rodeo rundown, uh, that will happen. Um, so it'll be like 15 minutes of news, just quick headline type reads, maybe a little more into it. And it'll just kind of be like bullet pointed and all the links will be in the show notes. And then immediately following that, I will do a uh, one hour um, join the join the stream, kind of an o- kind of an open forum, my one open forum of the week for an hour, where anybody who is on YouTube or any of the listeners or whatever want to join in, you can come and join in the live chat, and we can talk about things. Or you can even come and join in the live chat, and I will pin to the top a Streamyard link, and you can join me. Uh, live, uh, you can come on. You can come into the studio and join me live, and uh, we can we can talk about anything from the week, anything that's bugging you, anything gig economy, things you noticed. Um, so we'll just kind of feel around that and see who's uh, who shows up, and uh, we'll kind of see if that grows. It's uh, something I'd like to do because it's a way for me to bring Uber Lyft drivers to uh, uberliftdrivers.com to the. YouTube channel and kind of let people know that uberliftdrivers.com is gig economy news. It's not rideshare news. It's gig economy news. So it represents everything from micromobility to rideshare to delivery to the offset last mile services and all everything in between. Um, we talk everything. Uh, okay. So before I jump into this piece this week, Maximo guys, I mean, I want to say middletontech.com and Middleton Technologies hit them up because I think they got, you know, flex alert. If you do Amazon flex, it's a must have, uh, the driver utility helper. If you do DoorDash, another must have really, I mean the filter setting on there. Uh, but 
Maximo people, Maximo's Uber, Lyft, Uber Eats, uh, and Grubhub. And it helps you filter everything that you want, everything that you don't want, and it filters out. Has accept uh, accept and decline, auto switchback features. So toggle a, a trip ends, another one picks up. Everything's kind of hands free. Maximo lets you quickly set all your parameters of what you want, localized to your market. What makes the most sense for you, the user, in your area? Because each market is different, each person is different. Where you live, what vehicle you have, how much you spend on gas, what rides you're looking for, length, distance. All that stuff, you can set it all, and then you can just kick back and let the app run it for you, and you just concentrate on the driving. So Middleton Technologies, Maximo. And speaking of that, next Monday, we have a roundtable on Maximo. So I highly encourage, even if you don't do rideshare, come on over, because it still also handles Grubhub and Uber Eats, just like the DUH handles DoorDash. So come on over and join us, learn about Maximo, ask your questions in live chat. I will have some veteran users of the app as well as um, at least one new user of the app. So it's going to be interesting. And uh, like all of our roundtables, we'll always keep it real. This week, I have a little sidestep away from the normal gig economy, although this person does work in the gig economy. But I'm going to make you familiar with a person that you might not be familiar with. And uh, I'll come back on the other side. Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome back for another week of Rideshare Rodeo. Uh, this week, I have uh, uh, John McKellian, um, who is is kind of he's got an assorted background a little bit. Um, he's we're gonna I think we're gonna touch on his 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 work in the gig industry, but also on his three books and kind of just the, what, from what I've seen of his books and from what I know of him, just kind of his take on a lot of things. So yeah, John, uh, thank you for joining us here today. This is, this is, a I I really want to make sure that people understand because I, I know that when I first came to YouTube, I saw you all over live chats, but I didn't know who you were. And then, I, I still didn't know who you were for a while and you and I were even talking in live chats, but it was, um, I just figured you were a gig worker, but I think that a lot of your stuff actually falls outside of gig work, even though you do some gig work. So before we get to the three books, cause we'll, we'll end with those. Um, but can you give us some background on, on you and, uh, how you got to kind of where we are now and, uh, what, what part the gig world played in this? Yeah, absolutely. First and foremost, thanks for having me on your podcast. Um, yeah, of course. We're going to have a blast. Um, so with me, um, I, I've been in retail sales for about nine or 10 years. And um, so I had some customer service experience going into gig work. Um, I know that, you know, whenever a problem comes up, it's really important to de-escalate and all that good stuff. Uh, the reason why I got into gig work in, in 2018 is because I had a bunch of student loan debt. I graduated with my bachelor's degree in um, business administration with a focus on marketing and management from Cal State LA. And, um, and um, you know, I, I know I know going to college now, a lot of people say it's a waste of time and stuff, but um, I, I don't have any regrets. Um, but, yeah, basically I graduated, had $30,000 in student loan debt. And, um, you know, at first I already had um, – I was already working nine to five. And so I, I knew I needed to get a second and third job to be able to pay that uh, that student loan off really, really quickly. And so um, I applied to W-2s like Starbucks, um, restaurants, so I can work, um, you know, from like 6 to 10 or 6 to 11 and then do the same thing over the next day. And um, a lot of the places I interviewed for, they wanted to hire me, but they realized that um, they're going to be not, on, not really on the back burner, but they're going to be my second job. And so they wanted me to work until midnight or 1 a.m. I'm, I'm like, hey, I can't do that. I got to go to another job the next day. So that didn't work out. And that's when I came across gig work. Um, I knew that I didn't want to do rideshare. Props to you guys who do rideshare. I personally don't want strangers in my car. <laughs> that's how yeah. I feel about it. I don't like I don't even want other people driving my car. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, the passengers don't ever drive. So, <laughs> well, like even my parents, they're like, hey, can I, I get it? I get work? It. I'm like, no, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm very, I, I'm very... I, I, I get the not wanting to have the strangers in the car, especially. I mean, if you're listening, 
today, you know, as opposed to even five, six years ago. It's a, it's a, it's a night and day difference from even then, even though there were issues, nothing like what it is now. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I started uh, with food delivery. My very first, I was actually Uber Eats in 2018. And uh, it's funny because um, back then they, they didn't show payout. They didn't show a tip. They didn't show where you were going, which restaurant it was. Um, it was very similar to rideshare. It would just say like, oh, three minutes away or four minutes away. And uh, oddly enough, they're actually doing a lot of that now. But a lot of the new the newbies don't realize that um, it was like that back then. Um, and I, you know what? I um, It's weird because in L.A., you would think that a lot of people would tip. But when I was doing those deliveries, I'd be lucky if half the people tipped. And yeah. so, um, you know, there were times where... Uh, especially, drive- especially through Uber. I know that right i think right out of the gate yeah uber eats even in 2016 17 when it had that soft launch had the tipping capabilities but uber had created a culture of no tipping and yeah, so when you, i was just gonna say that whenever you ordered as a customer it would be like an afterthought uh they mm-hmm. was after the order was dropped off it would say hey rate and tip your driver but they, they didn't push it as much as they do now so sometimes i would drive from uh, from the valley, from the San Fernando Valley to UCLA Westwood area, which is about 20 mile drive. And uh, I wouldn't get any tips. It would just be all mileage and time. And so um, I kind of got tired of it. Um, I, I realized that I was kind of, um, you know, my, my, my wheels were stuck in the mud, so to speak. And that's when I found DoorDash. Um, DoorDash back then, it was when they were stealing tips. So, you know, they were paying five, six dollar payouts, <laughs> but it was very consistent. And um, I, I, I've been doing DoorDash, Grubhub, and uh, Uber Eats since, since then, basically. Just multi-apping. Yeah. So is that – how many hours a week do you put in with those? Uh, it's usually about 40 hours, 40, 45 hours. I, where I work the inner shift because that's when it's really busy in my market. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, yeah, obviously at Para, we didn't like the uh, – when they were stealing tips either. So we kind of <laughs> took our own route to it. <laughs> I don't blame you. Which, by the way, guys, um, Para's back, but you can merge Para with uh, the the uh, Maximo. Somebody was asking me if you could do if you could merge uh, Gary Middleton's apps like Duh with Para. I was like, yeah, absolutely, dude. They're like, awesome. it's like it's like putting two candies together, man. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like going to McDonald's and putting a Big Mac and a quarter pounder together. Yeah, I mean now you're now you're just now you're asking for only unicorns to show and only within my parameters. <laughs> so, <laughs> gotta give some leeway, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean. So I know that one of the big things um, that you and I absolutely stand strong on, and you're in California, so this is a good uh, this is a good topic. Is that I'm absolutely a hundred percent independent contractor. I know that you want to be too. If it ever led to you know that they had to use a franchise or employment model of any sorts, I'm guessing that you wouldn't even carry on for another day with these companies. Correct. It just wouldn't be worth it. Yeah, I mean, we don't know. We, you know, all of us say that, and maybe a lot of people for the first time on these these podcasts or whatever hear it, and they're like, "How do you know? How do you know that?" And I guess that just comes from years of experience. I can tell you, if they're forced, if they are forced into their hand being that this is how you will operate your company, they're going to do it to such a level that it's going to be the last company you ever want to work for. <laughs> I mean, this is yeah. why they're, they're not throwing away million, hundreds of millions upon hundreds of millions in every state to fight this because they're willing to do it if it, if it comes to it. it mean, this is more of how I see it. It's more of a fight. Like, we'll fight it. And if, it, if we lose it in a state, then that state can kiss rideshare goodbye mm-hmm. until they come back around and then take away those displaced type laws. Um, you know, like, I, I, here's my big issue with AB5. Um, when I first learned about it and I've talked, you know, I've talked with people on both sides, you know, this, um, and I even catch some heat for that. How come you talk to Willie Solis or Vina Duval? And I always say that, how can you really understand everything unless you're talking to both sides? And I can have people on all day who agree with me. It's easy. You know, like (laughs) it's hard to get the people on when you've made your position on something and it doesn't fit their position. And then you can still have a conversation with that person. It's pretty big. I mean, that's what it really is about. That's how the real work gets done. Um, but yeah, so you know, I was a 
I, I was like hating what I was seeing in AB5, but then I got turned on to all these people and you've probably seen some of the videos or heard some of the stuff I've done um, with a lot of like the uh, writers and freelancers and stuff against AB5. And I got tied in with their group and learned so much about even the fight itself and how in the beginning it was everybody. And then obviously the doctors were chiseled away and carved out and then this, then the lawyers, then this, and that their group, of anti AB five or, or let's get rid of AB five kind of became smaller and smaller and smaller because sadly, if your group got carved out, you kind of start stopped fighting the fight. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? I know it's sad and it's, and a lot of us can relate to this because it's sad, but it's true. I mean, like if you're, if you're fighting for something and you've lost your income and you're just fighting, 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 and then you get your carve out, it's hard to put that time in to keep fighting it. If, if you got your carve out, it's just sad to watch that. That's kind of what they did. Where are the big numbers? Let's carve them out and just kind of leaving everybody else for like table scraps during the pandemic. That's how I saw it. Um, there's a lot of people I know who had 30, 40 year businesses that a lot of them are still struggling, but who have gone completely under at this point who had, I mean, never, you know, they, their first five years, let's say were the struggling years. And then 35 years, they've been in the profit and running a great great business pandemic hits ab5 comes along and they don't even give a temporary reprieve or every anything and i i kind of relate prop 22 the solution of prop 22 and and i want to forewarn people about prop 22 because even though it has an upside um a little bit i see it a little bit more like the um like the temporary gas incentive as it's it's the lowest ball, weakest offer they can make that you can just cling on to and say, I got something a little better. That's how I see it. You know, I mean, the 45 to 55 cents per, per, uh, whatever on Uber, you know, whether it be Uber Eats or, or, or a ride, whichever one. I mean, let's say it's trips. Yeah. Let's say you're doing ride share. If you do 10 in a day. So in the medium being, if it's 45 to 55 cents, medium being five, five 50 cents. So 10 rides is five bucks. I mean, if people really think that $5 for spending the whole day out doing 10 rides is supplementing the gas to a level where they're a lot better off, I put them to the challenge of, I know that that every five helps, but honestly, would you be dead in the water without that five? Because if you wouldn't, it's a lot better to the cause to not want it. Don't take it. Let the let some of the people fall by the wayside. And I know Uber wants it to stay oversaturated, and it still will be. But why not? I don't know. Why not? I guess my, my question here is, how do you feel about Prop 22 being in the state where it is? And I'm sure that part of it is it's, it's a good thing because it can help you in some ways. But do you see it at all like a bad thing for those states that are about to enter these same type fights? Uh, personally, I really like Prop 22. I think it's the best of both worlds. Be, you know, um, it's a, it's the best hybrid of you know being an independent contractor and um, you know being being an employee because um, you still you still get kind of get that guaranteed hourly as long as you stay active on the apps. And uh, the thing is that when I when I talk to people outside of California, they think it's a ton of money and it's really not. Um, for me, it averages about ten percent of my weekly pay. So like. Let's say if I make 500 bucks on DoorDash, I'll usually get about 50, 60 bucks. And, you know, it's, it's enough to cover my my gas and my um, and, and the wear and tear on my car. Um, but at the same time, it's it's just I'm not going to go out of my way and accepting these low tip orders because the thing is that I don't know if DoorDash, Grubhub and Uber Eats or Uber are, are uh, correctly at, uh, calculating the active time. You, can, you can't really depend on that. And um, also, I would say that Prop 22 might be hurting drivers overall on a nation on national um, uh, stance, because um, I, I think a lot of people are accepting these three, four or $5 in California because they know they're going to get something on the back end with prop 22. And um, I, I think it's a mixed bag. When I go out there, I don't know if it's because I've been doing this for such a long time since 2018, but I don't go out there depending on prop 22. I go out there and take an order, a decent order. If it's like eight or nine bucks going a few miles, I'll take it. But I'm never going to do anything below seven dollars, six fifty, because honestly, it's just not worth my time. Um, but for if other states get it, if it's the same way 
as it is in California, I, I think it's really beneficial to them because um, well, the thing with California is that cost of living is just so high here. So yeah, obviously, right. you know, a higher, the the the, um, the hourly or the active hourly guarantee could always be better. Um, but honestly, I'm thankful for it, and um, I would argue that whoever wants, you know, the, the benefits of being an employee, like you know, steady income, insurance, and all stuff, why don't you become a pizza driver or at least try it out? Because they right. have exactly what you know what you want, so why not try that out? Or I've even said to people, I've put the challenge out there of man, if you if you ever wanted, I mean, within within realistic boundaries, if you ever wanted any job that you want, right now is the time to go for it, because people are lacking at fast food restaurants; they don't have enough employees. So yes, putting to DoorDash, <laughs> right? But I'm saying, like, if you ever had, you know, if not, I'm not saying to go into fast food, but if, like, let's say you've been in fast food, let's say you've done gig work and all this, and you've always thought that you wanted to, you know, be a, a, a graphic designer. I'm just pulling this out of left field. So, mm-hmm. okay, so let's say you want to be a graphic designer, but you really didn't have the training um, that you you've kind of like self learned some Photoshop, some Illustrator. Um, you know, all the Adobe products and things of that nature on your own. You're self-taught like many. And, you know, you're just like, I just never did the schooling, though. Where before the pandemic and everything, yes, the schooling and all that was needed just for the fact of saying you had it. Mm-hmm. But I think that right now you could go out and apply for those type jobs. I think that you could shock yourself right now with what you could get with a job. I think that whatever you've set your limits at is I can't get anything above this in life. And this kind of relates to how you think in a lot of your books or in the one I'm, I'm looking at, you know, it's like, you know, being the best version of you and like, you know, and, and like making the most of who you are. So if you kind of, and we all do it, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but like, I, you know, like before the pandemic, like I knew like, and my expectations on myself are high, but let's say they're, they're here, you know, right now I feel like I could go to here. I could go a little, I could step a little outside that comfort zone and go for something because they're having trouble just putting people into seats right now (laughs) i mean especially if you're willing to go back and work out of the house if you want a w2 this is just a side note here i'm just saying this is that time to roll the dice and take a shot i believe but um my problem with prop 22 is that um it came from the gig companies spending 212 million dollars and the state of california spending 135 million you add those two together, we're we're close. We're just shy of three hundred and fifty million dollars that was wasted, completely wasted, to come to an agreement that just you even just said maybe puts ten percent more on. I know that's a that's a good little bump, but I feel that like if you know now they got to go to Massachusetts and do this, and New Jersey, and then they're going to have to go to Washington State, and it's maybe it's in Massachusetts. It already looks like it's going to have to be about the same amount, if not more. So let's call that three fifty. Let's call New Jersey three and Washington state three. If they're going to throw in close to a billion dollars in three states over the next, you know, 18 months, let's say, to try and pass legislation to have AB5 type rulings, that's just three of the states and it's close to a billion dollars. And we all know that could be better spent. People want to rip on Uber and Lyft and say, you know, they're just out for themselves. Of course they are, dude. They're a company. If you don't know that already, I mean, go, I mean, this is what I always challenge you with is go find a W2 job because then people do and they're like, look, I got locked in at this. I'm like, locked in. You could be fired tomorrow. <laughs> you know, there is nothing. A lot of people learn that there's uh, not, there's the hardware during the pandemic. Yeah, you realize that no in. job is stable. Yeah, you're not. And you're never locked in. I mean, if it's your company and you can keep it afloat forever, sure, if you want to be, but mm-hmm. even if you're 100% certain you've known the people who own the company since birth. They're like your your you know your your godfather and your you know all this that and the other. You still don't know. You don't know what tomorrow brings at a job. So you can pick on the gig economy all you want. It is still in your realm. You get to decide what you're going to do, when you're going to work, all this kind of stuff. And that is one nice thing about Prop Twenty Two. I just feel like it was a very low ball acceptance. And because of the amount of money that these platforms had to spend and looking ahead at the other States that they were going to have to fight, that they are kind of almost taking it out on drivers. Like, Hey, we need to pay for that prop 22 crap. So you guys are all taking a a hit. Can I, can I play devil's advocate? 
Yeah, go ahead. Please. <laughs> please. I mean, you're living in the state with us, so please. Right. Um, so this is a uh, business, John, talking now. Uh, I think the way these companies, these these large corporations with a lot of money and power, the way to look at it is that, uh, yeah, they spent $200, $200 million over the course of the year uh, fighting against AB5. But I think the way they look at it is that um, this is chump change compared to the money they'd be saving if we all became employees in the state of California from 10, 20 years from now. That, that's what they're looking at it. So, like, let's say uh, if they did the math and it cost them, I don't know, um, close to – 500 million 600 million dollars and they they saved 400 million dollars so i think that's the way they're looking at it and then also um i know a lot of people are worried about self-driving cars and automation and all this stuff but uh, do you think that these companies really would have spent that money if if uh, if self-driving cars and technology was there right around the corner i don't think so they know that that you know that technology is still a ways away and that's why they spent all that money yeah, I mean, I'm having I'm having the one of the engineers on from the Bolt Autonomous Division who I've talked nice. to a couple times, and uh, I don't know if I was jokingly to- already told you this or not, but he's already told me. He said like, not in your lifetime. I mean, he like literally said like, I probably won't even see a real autonomous vehicle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was saying 2050 that maybe you know, kind of like circular trips, like a bus that just goes around a block. Because the thing is that uh, there's going to be a lot of challenges. Like driving an open road in a suburb or on a country road is easy because there's not that many moving parts. But when you're in a city, when there's people walking, there's there's other cars driving, there's just so much going on that the technology to develop those sensors and all that programming, it's just going to take so much time. Well, and there's just issues beyond control too. Even the trucking industry is in the, into the logistics of it. And they're having right. issues out every angle with the LIDAR. I mean... The LIDAR shuts down in snow. I live in Colorado, so okay. So if it's snowing, you can't use that rideshare? I mean, it's, you know, and then, you know, a lot of people don't, I brought up just silly little things too, like, well, what happens like if the first ride of the day, they clean it, they send out the autonomous car, and the guy gets in and he pukes in it? (laughs) I mean, is it all live video cameras they have to summon it back in or is it just i mean because i imagine graffiti i imagine this thing looking like the new uh, an autonomous look vehicle looking like the new york uh subway subways yeah like (laughs) in about 48 hours like two shifts and this thing's gonna be all graffitied puked in pee in there i don't know man sex goes down in there i mean who knows what's gonna go if seriously no driver I mean, people might just live in there. That's a really good point. I never thought about that. You know, like, hey, take me to, uh, I don't know what the equivalent would be for you, but like for us, like anything east of Denver, anything west of Denver, you're in the mountains and you get all into the fun stuff, but anything east just gets into the plains. So like if you said, take me to Sterling, Colorado, which is on the Kansas border. Okay, well then you just have it take you out to some field till it gets another call. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you just created a party place for a weekend or something. Like, I don't know. I just every single I, I can pick apart autonomous like all day long. I don't think it's even. I think that you hit the hit, nail on the head with that one. What I will say about the uh, the prop also 20, charging is an issue as well. Where are all these yeah, cars yeah, going to yeah. charge? There's the infrastructure's not there yet. Yeah. Um. But on the prop twenty two thing, you know, here's the other side of it though. They would have never done that or anything for drivers unless they went and had to battle it out in court and spend $350 million. Like there was nothing coming down the pipe on their own for drivers. And so at this point, prop 22 is helping out the gig economy some, but look at all the traditional um, freelancers and people who have just been like locked out of being able to even have that freedom. It's very strange. It's very strange that, that the whole net was cast over everybody because it here's how I see it. AB five should have been directly going after the gig economy for the way it's classified and not thrown a net over everybody who's independent contractor. It should have been going after the gig economy and then that should have been the solution. But I, I just, obviously there's, you know, we know how these companies and their algorithms work. So obviously there's a, a way that they say, what is the very least we can do to make it look like we're doing something for these guys, but we still, you know, and I know that they don't turn a profit. So, but eventually the thought is there to do it, 
But I mean, I mean, they're, they're never working on what's, you know, how can we meet the drivers in the middle? That's not even a thought of theirs. It's always, what is the least we can do? How can we exploit them? Right. They don't care about, I mean, and I'm going to just be honest here. They don't care about our safety. They don't care about, they, they don't. I mean, like, I know that when something happens, you'll see an article come out and then you'll see, you know, like if it's a really bad, horrific thing to like a college student or to like something that's making just too much noise in the media, then you'll see if, and, and mark my words on this, then you'll see, or after a, like a, a weekend where in a few different cities, some people were killed in Ubers, then you'll see like a new safety feature come out for like a month, about a week after that, just to get in the news and populate it and push a PR front that we're all about safety. When really they're just like, we're all about you guys forgetting about that this happened. So for a month, we're going to push some positive news and then we're going to back back off. I mean, people are still going to take it anyway. I just, I just think that all these states that are fight that are doing this fight now. I mean, I feel like they're all in for the same solution that you guys have. So it's almost like, is it worth these fights? Is it worth the Prop Twenty Two fight in Massachusetts? The state will rule what they want to rule. They have the ABC test in place. They'll have it challenged. Uber will Uber Lyft, Instacart, and DoorDash will spend two hundred plus million. And then they will get a carve out from whatever said law they make. I mean, that's the story. I could write it right now before it even happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's probably going to be similar to, to what happened in California. Um, but my question to you is, what would be the alternative? Like, let's say they don't, um, they don't, they don't fight for it, or you know, a, a similar thing to Prop Twenty Two doesn't happen, then then you're still going to have disgruntled and underpaid drivers. I'm not saying that prop 22 makes, you know, makes, uh, no, drivers no. well off or anything, but, um, but what do you think is the alternative? I think, I mean, I don't think there's a good one to be honest. I think the alternative mm-hmm. is holding out just yeah. like I feel with the gas incentive. I know that, I mean, there, a lot of people don't like that opinion. It's just mine. Um, you know, I've been doing this for a long time and I, I honestly think the little things that I've, I've learned their tricks. I mean, I watched them. We all watch them. They play games. We play games on making money. Do this and you get this bonus. You go up to this level. You're a, you're this, you, you get a, you get a little, uh, um, avatar. Here you go. Like, good for you. Pat on the bat type stuff. And then it's, you know, it's really, I mean, especially in rideshare, man, that used to be like, I hated that stuff, especially when they were huge, because if it was like a huge bonus to like hit a hundred rides in a week, like huge, I knew around 90, that was going to slow down so much where I was going to be like, damn it. You know, like no matter how my week went, That's I knew how at 90, <laughs> yeah, I knew at 90, it's going to be like, I'm going to get a ride an hour at best. Mm-hmm. That's just how it works. They just like, we want you on the platform. And so then it starts like skewing down what you think you made hourly. I don't know. I've never been impressed by their games. I think that this is kind of just another example of their games. Because if they actually just let, they want every market oversaturated. I understand why that was a good start, but I don't think that they need to keep that thought process up right now. I I think that sat, that semi-saturated is good enough. And that would allow a little more pay to drivers from them the company which is what is what's which is what's real because i mean prop 22 or yeah i mean like eight the um prop 22 decisions already being challenged in the california supreme court so i mean it's like if it goes away then what you know it's i I don't know i just feel like it needs it needs to be the companies that do these things not when you start forcing things down the company's throat they are going to start getting very evil and if you think they're evil and manipula- manipulative now, just just wait, because <laughs> I guarantee they will. You know, they're now. I mean, we've never been their priority, but now they're like, okay, we don't even care anymore. Oversaturate everything. Do this. Do that. I don't care. Like we, you know, if if, if you had a few people like going, well, we got to help the drivers some. Even they're off board. They're like, dude, we're in we're in D Day mode. <laughs> it's time to, <laughs> you know, screw the drivers. <laughs> I think I'm glad you brought that up because I think Grubhub. Uh, I'm not sure how familiar you are with Grubhub, but um, Grubhub is actually. I would say they're probably as pro driver as uh, one of these gig apps can get. They don't have any tips, and they always um, have been too. Right? I'll, they've, give, they've I'll, been very I'll, I'll give I'll give Grubhub some props on that because even before the pandemic, they onboarded slowly. 
They didn't like to oversaturate. Right. You know, but then the pandemic hit and all these other companies that are shady-ish, DoorDash, Uber Eats, somehow got way in front of them and kind of left them in the dust. And then they were kind of trying to pick up the pieces. But I think I know where you're going with this and we'll let you finish it with it because. Go ahead. So the thing is that we as drivers like like the transparency and all that stuff. But as a, as a business model, I don't think it's sustainable because Grubhub, um, you know, they're they're not in a good they're not in a good position right now financially. And honestly, I'll, I know this is going to sound pessimistic, but I'll probably give them another year or two max before they're um, probably sold off by Uber or someone else. And um, so I think these companies have done the math and they've realized that if they're not manipulative and exploitative and you know all these bad practices then they're not going to survive. And I think that's why we're seeing a lot of these, um, uh, seeing them, a lot of us not, you know, battling it out to, to not, for us to not become employees, because I can guarantee you that they've done the math, you know, between having independent contractors and having us employees. And they realize that if we are employees, if they have to pay us better, you know, benefits and hourly, it's not worth it. So it's better for them to pull out anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jason Thierry and I have had this thing about Lyft forever, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we talk all the time. <laughs> we are we we always come up with it's almost like we're betting amongst us because we're like always talking about these new angles. It's like who is Lyft going to fold to first, you know? Because like <laughs> we're just assuming that Lyft is like, and it's like we we've, we've finally gotten down to like where we where we're at this point where like we want it to be Grubhub. We feel like Lyft and Grubhub would be this awesome match because otherwise both of us have kind of come to the same conclusion that Lyft is on track to be owned by DoorDash here very shortly. <laughs> do you, do you think they want to get into the ride share business though? I think that, I think that the command DoorDash has of the food market would mm-hmm. make them just want to have Lyft because even though it's not profitable, it's not a loss at this point either. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Lyft has much to offer. Um, I don't know how Lyft even keeps their head above water to be honest. Um, when I see that they kind of outperform their quarters and stuff and they have no technology, they're not in any other countries anymore. You know, it's, you know, during argue. the pandemic, they had their best, <laughs> you know, by like, by cutting down their office spaces and things is the closest they've come to a profit. I would argue that um, I think DoorDash would, would, would pursue buying Instacart before they pursued Lyft. And I think uh, someone like Tesla or, um, you know, a company that wants to have a, you know, a fleet of self-driving cars would probably be more interested in Lyft than, than a company like DoorDash. But what, so why would they be interested in Lyft just for their database of customers? Customers. uh, Lyft has nothing nothing to offer them. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It'll be a lot cheaper than buying Uber. That's, that's one way they could look at it. Because I almost feel like, okay, because I understand the database like if a company is going to buy another company, it could just be, I mean, like if a company was going to buy Uber, if Uber ever went for sale, which they're not, but if they did, if a company was going to buy Uber, um, most likely they're not doing it at any technology base at all. They're going for that 59 million user base they have in, uh, in the database. Mm-hmm. That's what I imagine Lyft would go for. So I would think that like a Tesla, Tesla's almost in a position where they could almost launch a rideshare app and not have to do any advertising. Literally, just put it into the app store. Let let tell ten drivers word of mouth ten, and I bet you the whole country knows in a week. I mean, it wouldn't even yep. have an advertising budget, and they wouldn't have to buy Lyft or anything, and they would have their own database. All it would take is one Elon Musk tweet. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously, I think the word of mouth would go fast, especially because whenever these any of these companies come out of that space. They always pay the best right in the in the honeymoon period, so it would pay the best. But I think they'd also be looking at a good payment model down the road to try and make up for some of this. Because I don't know, man. I, you know, these temporary gas things and whatnot. It's just it's not going to last forever. Um, I don't know why. Why would Instacart sell though? I see. I'm tr- we were trying to think of the company that like worth. We're like, why does Lyft? Why is Lyft even around? We always think it's a good thing. Like, I'm glad Lyft's here. Otherwise, Uber would have a monopoly and it would be bad. But it, it is funny to us. We're always like, what? What does Lyft do? What? <laughs> Why is <that>? Right. <laughs> and I, I'll tell you what. I've done, you know, I've done 29,000 rides since, since 2015. And most of them are on Lyft. 
because when when that time in 2015, I started with Lyft, went to Uber, then went back to Lyft for years because Lyft's program was so much better, paid me so much better. But then they decided, let's just follow Big Brother Uber and do exactly what they do. Do you think it's because they want to be more profitable? I, I don't know. I thought neither was profitable. And so I was like, why don't you stick to your own plan? Because, you know, I don't know. Following Uber's, I don't know. It doesn't seem like there's a real, like in my market anyway, there's no driver benefit. They're both pay the same miles. They pay the same on distance. I know in some there might be a little different, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. You know, it's, there's, there's so many crazy questions with the gig economy that. Do you uh, want to hear a quick lift story about me? Yeah. <laughs> the closest I ever become, I, the closest I ever became to, uh, to become a lift driver uh, I don't know how long ago, ago it was. I want to say 2015, maybe 2016. Uh, I did the orientation where, you know, a current Lyft driver, you know, meets up with you in your market and uh, they kind yeah, of give you the lowdown. They don't do that anymore, but I had to do that too. Right. Whenever they, yeah. they would, uh, it was when they had the peak mustache, you would put it on your car. Yeah. This was in the early days. And uh, so the girl, she, we were sitting in the car. I was in the driver's seat. She was in the passenger seat. Uh, I was listening to everything she was saying. And she was like, you know what? You're, you're kind of gruff. You have to be more bubbly in person. I was like, well, how, how can I be more more bubbly and you know personable if I'm sitting here and talking to you? And um, after that, I'm like, you know what? I don't, I don't know. I already, I, you know, I, I do. I didn't want to do ride share. And after that, I'm just kind of like, you know what? You know, maybe 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 it's not for me. I don't know. But it's just the fact that I was just sitting there listening and and I, you know, I didn't really get a chance to talk. She was saying, you know what? Like, I, I think you need to be more friendly. I don't know. I thought it was kind of weird. <laughs> I think that was just part of the pop. I think that the guy who did that, the guy who did my whatever they called that, um, like it, it was like mentorship or something, like lift mentorship. Right. You had a, you had a mentor that you had to go. They had meet. a word for it. I forgot it was. Yeah. So I went over and met mine too. And I <laughs> hearing your story is kind of funny because I can tell now, and I already knew this, but I could tell mine was just getting burnt out with doing this. Yeah. Like he was already on the fringe of like going, he's like, you know what? Just I'm do whatever sick of you mentoring. Want. <laughs> no, he was, he was, he was like, he's like, look, man, you can turn on the app. He's like, you can decline all the rides. He's like, you know, you could sit at home. He, he was the epitome of everything I shouldn't hear. He was like, just right. sit at home, take the ones you want. I don't know. And at the time that wasn't true because if you're, even though it's it breaks independent contractorship and it's a big part of the conversation, if you did fall be, be, beneath eighty percent acceptance, you were off the platform. Oh wow! So I mean, they actually, you know, I know these DoorDashers with one percent acceptance. You know, it's like that wasn't guilty as charged. <laughs> you know, I mean, but you got to be. But as long, I guess, as long as your completion rate's high. But the thing is, is they used to have that big flashing button. And it's like you, it just it was a trigger in your head. Like, dude, wait, what's my percentage at? Okay, I got to take it. Right. It was almost like I got to take it. It wasn't, it, and that's where it felt a little out of the hands of independent contractorship because it, it felt like you're messing with my head here. You know, you're making me think I could lose my job on any given ride because if my acceptance goes too low. So I don't know. You know, it's, uh, I know that now it's not a thing. Um, but I don't know why they still bother putting it in there then, you know, and I never understood why there's a five star rating system either. I got to say that either a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And if you thumbs down, you got to leave a certain amount of characters in okay. on the record, you know, let I me mean, ask you this. Um, so, so with ride, with, with ride share, is that really that much cherry picking possibility compared to food delivery? Because with food delivery, you have to worry about the restaurant location, whether or not there's parking there. Um, you know, you have to drop off the food because, you know, you have to go into a apartment, you're like, you know, it's a safe area. So other than a drop off location, whether it's safe or not, is, like, how can you really cherry pick ride share? Um, well, for me, I mean, I just knew if I was downtown, I mean, for me, downtown Denver, I can tell by like, you know, am I going to the La Quinta that's underneath the highway, mm-hmm. or am I going to the to the uh, Hilton that's three blocks into downtown? Because the three blocks into downtown Hilton, I mean, this is just an easy one, is probably an airport ride, right? And the uh, would it show you to drop off location, or would you just guess? No, I mean, I, I've been through all the stages. I've been okay. through the stages that told me when it used to say the total amount of miles that you'll be going. Mm-hmm. It used to show a direction. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, like I've been through I've been through the transparency ringer, dude. I've seen it all come, go, come again, go again. I feel like, you know, I've seen it come back in pieces. I've watched the um the um multiplier surge come into my market probably about 15 times and leave. Mm-hmm. And then it leaves and it goes to flat surge or no surge, and it comes back to flat surge, and it comes back to multiplier. It feels like every time they're down on the oversaturation, they bring the multiplier back. And that seems to bring everybody back on the platform. They know it, and then they turn it back off. I I don't know. I've been through the ringer with all this, and I I don't think that uh um I think there's an easy way to tell, you know. I mean, I think pickup location was a huge thing to me. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it shouldn't have been, but that's often how I fished. I know Denver like the back of my hand. You know, so it's like I know even I'm not just basing it on hotels. I know that picking up there at at this time of night on this day usually means that you're going, you know, it's a Friday night at six. That means you're going out for the night. And people from this area usually go to lower downtown. So that's gonna mm-hmm. be a short ride. I don't want that one. I could do a lot of that in my head without any of the apps, tools, anything that helps people. This was just me having done enough rides where I just had it down where I was like, no, no, you know, but there was always, I I don't know if there was ever a time I'm trying to remember if there was ever a time that didn't warn you when it was a 45 minute or longer ride. I think you always got a warning for that. And a lot of times that even meant the airport because our airport's way out. It used to be down on the east part of town, then they moved it way out east. Um, so now it's, you know, even from downtown, it's usually going to be about 45 plus. So you, you could just tell. You always knew you had long rides. Were you looking for that? Um, you know, short rides downtown. Um, for me, I was always an opposite player. Like I knew, oh, here's a perfect example. I would never go to a Broncos game before or after, mm. even though some drivers lived by that they would go they would leave it off and at the end of the third quarter drive over to the stadium turn on i would go to the other side of town and turn on because there were always people leaving bars who were watching the game and i could whip out trips back and, and forth. there's less drivers there i'm sure that's what i mean i i would just like i would get them all and it might, it might surge a little but like at the stadium if it got up to like even seven times multiplier you might only get one ride in, and I'm being serious, an hour and a half, two hours. Wow. Because you have to go find that person. You can't just pull up anywhere you want. Plus traffic. You know, yeah, God traffic leaving. How long going to take you to get out of there? Yeah, I mean, well, you can't go anywhere in. They don't even have a place for, I mean, they never have. They've kind of always told us there's two neighborhoods around. They're like, you go over there and you wait. You got to get in contact with them. You got to find them. You know, and you know how like people leaving a football game are. I mean, it's packs of like, 300 people crossing a street at once like mm-hmm. what i don't you know it's it, it, it was so hard that often like rides would get canceled and then you'd find yourself out of the surge or on the lower end of it i just always thought it was such a nightmare that i would i would rather keep the wheels turning and make money not on a surge than wait for one surge ride at seven times and pray that it's distance is far or something when really normally it wasn't that far. It was just people going home. So, I mean, it was, um, it was just a pain. And I, I don't know. I had a different strategy than a lot of people. A lot of people would drive their night and then make sure that they got to that event as it ended. I was the guy who played it opposite and said, all right, let's go to a part of town that always has a lot of people, but doesn't have an event ending. Right. You know, I would, I, I almost like drove away from a surge before it happened. If I was in (laughs) one, yeah, I'd stay in it. It's like three, two one all right i'm out of here <laughs> yeah exactly like basketball games hockey games i would see these lift drivers and uber drivers just drive up and line up and i'm like why i've seen you that know? when i used to go to lakers games before the pandemic um i would just see like lift drivers uber drivers waiting and then whenever i wanted to get a ride i would literally have to walk two or three blocks down just for an uber driver to be able to find me because it's so crowded yeah yeah um and then there are a lot of them too. Were also I gotta mention that a lot of them too were also pissed because a lot of the times the multiplier was seven eight times, so they were just disgusted with how much the ride was being costing them. And right. they all you know people have to remember that they always view the driver as the company. 
Right. Even though it's Uber charging the rate and all this, they almost are looking at you like, how dare you charge me? (laughs) (laughs) Man, if you knew what I was making out of it, you'd be pissed too. Like I'm pissed too. They wouldn't tip on those rides either (laughs) because they're paying so much, right? Well, I mean, to be honest, I I only got cash tips. I mean, if I got very few people tip me through the app. Right. You know, I used to have a trick that I got so pissed about people saying that they would. And in the beginning, I actually believed it. And then, as you've probably at least heard from other rideshare drivers, you know, I'll tip you through the app. It was it became this thing of like, f you, man. You know, just just say you're not going to tip me then, whatever. Right. But don't say that you're not gonna. And it, they never did. So I got to this point of asking, and I don't, I wouldn't do it with everybody, but when I, I would do it as often as I could. If somebody's like, I'll tip you through the app, I'd be like, Hey, can you show me how to do that? Because I get people asking me all the time, <laughs> and I would make them like lean forward and show me on their phone. Right. I go to here, I'm like, okay. And then I can add your tip right here. I'm like, huh, okay. And then they'd add something. And I know they can go remove it. But I knew that that interaction had put something in a taste in their mouth. Like, dude, I am a douche if I remove this. Right. That's really clever. <laughs> that, that's a good idea, actually. Show me how to do it. Oh, add a couple zeros to that. <laughs> um, okay. So before, um, before we uh, conclude here, I do want to talk about this because I think this is probably the biggest deal out of what you do is that you've written three books, man. (laughs) (laughs) I find that, you know, that's awesome, man. You've written, uh, is it the entrepreneur cheat sheet reality check? And then your newest one, uh, five foundations. Yep. First scary. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was just flipping through this, man. It's like, it's really good. You know, there's a lot of, uh, it's not, it's not a gig economy thing at all, but it's a, I don't know if any of the others are either. I was thinking the entrepreneur cheat sheet might have a little more of a gig economy taste, but like this one's pretty cool. This is like redefine. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Cause again, I just got it on Saturday from you. Thank you, by the way. But, um, it seems like, you know, it's, it's like, a um, creating the best version of yourself. Yeah, it's more of a personal development book than anything else. Um, the first two books that I wrote, that was before I started doing gig economy. Um, that one, you know, it's not really gig related. This one, it's not gig related either, but um, there's a lot of personal development stuff here. So um, I think, you know, gig workers, we're all doing gig work as a means to an end while we're working on, you know, the bigger picture. So I think gig workers can really benefit from this book and um, it can kind of figure out like, you know, what, what it is they, they want to do with their lives and, you know, what are their short-term goals, their long-term goals, how they can create a daily routine that reflect those goals. And, um, you know, it's a really good uh, motivational book as well. Yeah. I was going to say, even like, you know, even your quote on the back, you know, this is what kind of yeah. this, this is what got to me a bit too after I was after I was going through it was that um you know you'll never change your life until uh until you change something uh you do daily. And yeah. I know there's more to it too, you know, the secret of your success is found in your daily routine. But I think that that speaks volumes, man, because everybody is different. You know, everybody's different. And so what somebody's routine is, that's why I think a lot of self-development or a lot of like self help or this might, you know, like, I think they're too general and like, you need to do this. You need to do that. You're approaching it from like, Hey, listen, you know, your life, mm-hmm. you need to shake up your pattern. If you know, something's wrong, you need to shake up your pattern and it won't apply to anybody else because well, the, what the disruption you need to put into your life, isn't going to be the same for the next person at all, or the next person, you know, it's, yeah. I'm really good. You brought you. Uh, I'm really glad you brought that up because um, there's also a lot of stuff that some people would, wouldn't cross their minds. Like um, one of the things was um, you know get rid of old programming. So because we're we're trained by society to to become um, you know big time consumers. Another one is uh, setting really firm boundaries with yourself and with others. Don't don't allow people to respect you when when someone uh, you know asks you for a favor. If you can't do it, let them know you can't do it. Don't go out of your way. And do it if you can't. And then, but um, I think I would say the biggest one that really changed my life was minimalism. And uh, I talk about, or I wrote about that in chapter eight. And uh, I encourage the readers to experiment with minimalism, and it really changed my life. Just having less possessions, <laughs> and uh, you know, it you know it allowed me to um to kind of see everything else in life and and value things a lot more rather than you know what kind of car I drive or what kind of cell phone I have. Exactly. You know, that's funny you say that because that's what the other, that's the one of the main ones that grabbed me because I'm in the process of, 
it's not like I'm a uh, what do you call Cross those of people? Getting a cell phone? <laughs> no, what's no? What's the people who uh, who have newspapers stacked to the ceilings and stuff? Hoarders. Hoarders. <laughs> it's not like I'm a hoarder, okay? But but I could definitely. That's I, I was I was flipping through that part and I was thinking, man, I, and I've already known this, but this this is something I need to do. I've needed to do this for a while. And then the it's pandemic. A reminder. Bit. Yeah, you know, and then I've I've always got excuses. You can always have excuses. Right now, my excuse is I have a 15 year old high school student that lives with me five days a week. It's, mm-hmm. I don't need to do it right now. It's like, yeah, well, why don't you? I mean, it's like, they, that's not a good reason though. Like you could still be getting rid of shit. You know, he's sure. going to be going on his life here and not, he might well. enjoy it as well. <laughs> yeah. he, might, he might, you know, he might participate with you as well. And then there, there's a lot of running jokes about minimalism. Like, Oh, only have one spoon or one couch, one TV. And you know, minimalism is different for everyone. It just comes down to how much you want to have in your life. What's the bare minimum that you need? And it's different for everyone. Yeah, I agree. I mean, for me, it's just a lot of stuff I know I can get rid of. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. and then it, until you start though, it's hard because you look at everything and you're like, yeah, I can get rid of a ton. But then you like can't go grab anything without going, well, maybe I need that. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> you know, I'll do this in a couple start, of years. It's a lot easier. I think mm-hmm. once you just start moving stuff around, you know, and you kind of get, you know, and just make piles. You know, that I absolutely, I have to have this. I can't work without this. I can't live without this. Right. And then have your pile of what you like, and that'll probably be everything else. But then you'll have to go through that pile again and say, okay, what do I need in this pile though? Like if I could only keep half. <laughs> right. Just, the way for, that's how I would do it. I would just keep chiseling away until I was down to, okay, like this. The way I got started with minimalism is that I was kind of in the um, in the same boat as you. I, 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 I really didn't want to get with anything or get rid of anything. And I asked myself, you know, is this something that, you know, if I change my mind later, I can I can always buy another one? If the answer was yes, I would just sell it. I sold a lot of stuff on eBay. And uh, to be honest, I haven't bought any of those stuff back. I've, I've, once you get once you um, get used to the, uh, the freedom of having less and having um, less clutter, and if, it feels like a weight off your shoulders. Um, you just want to get rid of more stuff. It, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I know that's the case. You know, a lot of it too is I go out in my garage even, and it's just a nightmare. You know, I see my son's like art projects from when he was like six mm-hmm. and they're like in a box and I'm like, Ugh. no, that's the type of stuff you want to keep. You can't. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? But you know what? Like I kept it all mm-hmm. and just kind of boxed and shoved it. There is a thing about going through and pick. Okay. From sixth grade. I don't need is his math homework from sixth grade. Right. You know, like there's a thing about going through and picking like, okay, pick your favorite 10 things out of the box. Mm-hmm. What are the best 10 things he did in that year? Cause I mean, again, why do I'm not going to want boxes in my house of all of his stuff. That's true. You know, it's like, I could go pick from every year he did in school. I could go pick the best five to 10 things he did. That's going to be enough. Yeah, maybe keep like awards or creative stuff. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean he was a big he's a big karate guy, so we got a lot of awards around the house and what. Awesome. <laughs> um, you know, is he black belt yet? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, he was. He was a. Uh, wow, okay. Yeah, he's he's he was uh, he's he's not far from from a second tier. He was a he turned black belt at uh, um, yeah, I want to say he was like twelve. That's amazing. Props to him. Yeah, he started when he was he started when he was seven or six. He was doing it like five or six years before he was a before he was a black belt. Wow. But he competes, and he was on the smaller side now. Now he's at a growth spurt. Now he's bigger than me. Wow! And uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's got that voice like this because it it just doesn't fit him yet. Right. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like living with a totally different person, man. <laughs> like, it's like, why can't we go back to the days where you're shorter than me? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, but now he's more, but I will say now he's more helpful. You know, now he can do more. Right. That's always And he's good like, thing. and as much as like, you know, he might complain sometimes too, I got to hand it to him. Like, you know, like he, he loves to do things where he can show off that he can lift and stuff. Mm-hmm. Hey, Max, can you move that stuff for me? And as I get older, I love this, man. <laughs> right. He's like, yeah, dude. <laughs> he loves to show me he can do that so i dig that right um but yeah so if you haven't checked out john's books or if you've seen him around or if you see him around from now on i'm gonna put all three links in the show notes i don't know if if john's okay with it i'll put a link to the audiobooks too i don't know if you prefer to sell the books or the audiobooks or if it matters or 
I don't have any audio books right now. Uh, I thought I, actually, I saw this one. Nope. I think uh, it's just audible advertising. I don't have any audio books. Oh, okay. I, 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 I did, didn't want to do an audio book for that one. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, then I'll put all the links to each of the books. Um, Cause yeah, I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're good reads and they're, and they're not, it's not going to take you. It's not, it's not a novel. You're not going to dive in and be, uh, it's like each, it, he moves at a pace where each thing it's covered it's straight to the point. And, and then it moves. Yeah, exactly. And then it moves on to the next thing, but it flows well too. So I haven't read the other books. I can't speak for those, but this one is, is good. I like this one. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. Cover to cover. It's a hundred pages just for the audience out there. Yeah. So I, I mean, again, I'm guessing your other books are really good too. I'm guessing that, uh, you know, by your third one, this is probably one of your, this is probably what you consider your best too. Maybe. Um, uh, that one was the hardest one to write. Cause it's just so, um, dense in information. Um, and I wanted, it was essentially my life story. So I wanted to make sure that it was being portrayed correctly. And I'm also going to, um, expand on a lot of those ideas from the book on my YouTube channel as well. So are you done writing books? Uh, no, I'm still writing. The next one um, is more about um, my my struggle with with losing weight and a lot of uh, or the way that people or the way the world looks at overweight people and things like that. Okay. So it's uh, it's. it's well, I was just asking because you said this one covered your life. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> well, up okay, until well, this point. <laughs> yeah, I'm always writing something new. Okay. Yeah, I mean. I don't know. I don't know. I guess that's a whole different deep dive on how the writer and you became, but, um, <laughs> but I'm, you know, I'm interested in it and, you know, I, I, my, my days are so busy. Usually I'll grab something, I'll kind of skim through it and then I'll go back and I'll, I'll skim through it again until I finally kind of get through it. But like this one, I'm already, I find myself like trying to skim through and then I get into it and I'm like, well, that just ended. Okay. <laughs> you know, like even my sh- yeah, somewhat short attention in my older age, is is keeping with this and that's good um you know i'm not you know, the t- i'm not the type who reads a book to go to bed every night so you know quick story um the way that writing style came about is because my very first book was a uh, uh was for college students and me as a college student and knowing other college students i know that they had a very short attention span so i wanted to make sure that um you know it was straight to the point and concise and i think that writing style just stuck with me and that's why that book is that way as well okay yeah. I mean, but yeah, this one's just well, well, well written. Everybody should check it out. I'm going to finish it because I'm only a little bit in, but like, like John just said, it's a hundred pages. Um, I could probably have this finished, you know, even with my crazy schedule, probably in the next day or two. But, um, so far I already know, and I, I'll put the link up there for all of them. I'll put the links, uh, to John's YouTube channel too. Um, and I guess, uh, um, the content that we can pretty much expect from you on YouTube upcoming is not really gig related. And I love that. Cause it's like, you know, I kind of fall outside of that norm of what people like to create on, on, on YouTube as well. Um, I just come from my podcast and it's kind of funny. Cause like even Hannibal said something pretty funny and nice on Saturday night about me. He was like, uh, He's like, you know, I don't know. He's like, you know, at least Steve's out there doing other things. He's not making it. Here's how you carry a delivery order and set it down. <laughs> how to make a hundred dollars. I thought that was pretty out there. Cause I'm like, I'm like, man, you know, a lot of people who make those videos, though, you better, you kind of got to watch it. I don't know if you've, uh, I don't know what video was. Uh, Roy was kind of like, uh, Roy will be Roy. Shout out to him. He was yeah. making a, uh, like a parody video. Oh, how to make a hundred dollars. Oh, work oh, yeah. until you make a hundred dollars. <laughs> Oh, I thought you meant the one with, that was like the stick and the horse. No, I don't think it was that one. He was just, uh, <laughs> you know, he was just like kind of like making, poking fun at those YouTubers who make, you know, videos about how to make $500, work until you make $500. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, John. Well, uh, I want to thank you, man. Um, it's always good to talk to you. And uh, and yeah, it, speaking of Roy, um, if you if you're daring, if you're daring people, Join us on uh, April 1st, Friday. Um, we're going to do a uh, April Fool's party, Roy and I. Oh, I can't wait. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm trying to already think up some weird things that like I've got, I've got a couple things in mind. I'm, I'm trying to bring it to him because I think that, um, you know, I'm going to speak, I'm going to just speak freely a little bit here about Roy because Roy's a good guy, man. And a lot of people know this, but he definitely has his view. And I've been telling him lately that he's more of a variety show. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and I think he would have a huge success with this because he likes to talk about anything. It doesn't have to be gig economy. And he's he not could, afraid to uh, to voice his, you know, his opinion. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, really, I think that, you know, it's getting him to understand he's a variety show. So that's going to be my goal for April 1st is to like kind of make it how I see Roy's show being the most successful, but I'll make it on like a set on my show. And then while he's on mm-hmm. there, I'll be like, see, this is, this is your show, man. <laughs> You're creating an on-ramp for him. <laughs> um. But yeah, thank thank you, John, for joining us. And uh, thanks for having uh, me on. Yeah, we'll stay in touch for sure. Thank you. So again, everybody, that was John McCallion, and uh, his newest book was it just came out last year. It's called The Five Foundations of Contentment. Um, really good uh, read. Really fast read too. Um, you can just pick up a lot of you know. You can whip through this book and and digest it, and it's a. Uh, it moves quickly, so it's, uh, I don't know, I could see it being very beneficial to everybody to just kind of read somebody else's take on things and uh, the way that they uh, see, you know, uh, creating uh, a successful daily routine and uh, becoming the be- best version of yourself. I think those are the two main points that John wanted to make about that book, and uh, it was very nice to have him on. So this week... Um, we also have, on Thursday, we have a live roundtable with Curry. And then the following week, the 31st, last day of the month, we have a live roundtable with UDM. Both are going to be very good. I'll bring them both over to here. Uh, next Monday, we have the Maximo roundtable, so make sure to join us for that. And uh, that will post here on the podcast as well, and in its entirety. And then make sure to check out Middleton Technologies apps. Uh, you can find all the links in the show notes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're working these apps, you better, you, you might as well use the tools that help you earn the best with them. And that's just, uh, that's just a fact. (laughs) So make sure that you are making the most of your gig working platform time. That is how I will say that. And with that said, uh, that's a wrap and we will see you back here next, or we will see you back here on Friday and maybe somewhere in between if you'd come and check us out live on YouTube. Uh, Again, that's Rideshare Rodeo on YouTube. And uh, just hit the show notes, too. There's all kinds of links in there Um, and some things that we'll be coming up on soon and uh, really looking forward to. So, yeah, Uh, you go out there, you guys. Have a safe week. Um, Have a great week. And go out there and spin some good into this absolutely upside-down crazy world. All right, you guys, be good out there, and we'll see you back here next time on Rodeo. Peace.